Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. One in grammar school, I don't think I fit into any one particular template of a type of student. I wasn't a jock. I wasn't smart enough to be with the brainy kids. I wasn't funny enough to be the class clown. I just sort of occupied that middle ground that many of us occupy. But I did attempt to try on those other roles, usually in a spectacular and embarrassing way. Before we get to the show today, I just want to tell you a little bit about an experience I had with Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, the movie, the subject of today's show, that very briefly allowed me to become a class clown. I had seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles when it came out in 1987 and went to school the next week, and two other people had seen it. We talked about it, and I realized that I had a pretty good recall of the movie. I enjoyed it so much, so I started doing lines from the movie. And the line about, where's your hand between two pillows, absolutely killed. We're kids, mind you. I must have used that line about a dozen times that day alone, and I made the mistake two days later of using it right in class. Now, while I might have wanted to be the class clown, I was not prepared for the consequences of being the class clown. I was whispering to my friend, and non sequitur, I just said, where's your hand? And he said, between two pillows, and of course everybody started giggling, and I got in trouble. Now, I had been in trouble maybe once or twice before, and the teacher had done that old school thing where you wrote on the blackboard. In this case, since there were many of us, she decided to have us write our punishment down. Which stinks, because I would use the thing that we'd use for musical notes, and I could really rip those things off on the blackboard. But she had us write in a book, I will not be the class cut-up, I am not that funny, and I should not waste teacher's time. You realize the problem with that is, it was more than one line of text. So, you couldn't use two pencils, you couldn't try to fake it. We had to fill six pages with that, after school. At that point I learned, if I'm going to be funny, I should try to be subtle. And subtlety was never my strength. So, I never became the class clown, but I always tried to sit next to him. On today's show, we're going to talk about the movie that got me in trouble, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. We'll talk about the production of the movie, we'll talk a little bit about the director and the actors in the movie, we'll talk about the movie's reception, its soundtrack, we'll touch upon the plot, and we'll, of course, touch on its release on home video. We have a great episode ahead of us, right in time for Thanksgiving, so without further ado, let's start the show. November 25th, 1987, the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles hit theaters in America. It was released by Paramount Pictures and was written by John Hughes, and it starred Steve Martin and John Candy. The movie was a departure 
Hughes up to that point had done a lot of teen comedies. And Candy and Martin, although very talented, had, like many comedians, done mostly what would be called lowbrow comedy, or physical comedy, that sort of thing. But this was a different type of movie. This was sort of a feel-good comedy with some heart to it. And when people saw it, they would sense that, and the movie would go on to do very well. If you haven't heard of John Hughes, you probably did not live through the 1980s. Hughes, who passed away last year, was a director, producer, and writer, and made some of the most successful films of the 80s and 90s. National Lampoon's Vacation, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Weird Science, The Breakfast Club, Some Kind of Wonderful, Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink, Uncle Buck, Home Alone, and of course, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So, Hughes decides he's going to make this movie. And supposedly, in an interview with Steve Martin, it was revealed that he wrote the script in this movie in just three days. Now, John Hughes, in an interview on the special edition DVD that came out, said he was inspired to write the film based on an actual flight from New York to Chicago that was diverted to Wichita, and it would take him a long time to get home. It would actually take him longer to get home from Wichita than it would for him to write that movie, if Steve Martin's facts are correct. So just a little bit about the cast of the movie. Steve Martin starred as Neil Page. Steve Martin, multi-talented actor, musician, writer, playwright, amazing guy. Born in Waco, Texas, raised in Southern California. John Candy, Canadian-born, sadly passed away in 94, at a way too early, 43 years old. He was a member of Second City in Toronto and would gain prominence in movies like Stripes, Splash, and of course... Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is considered his best movie. Steve Martin has gone on record saying that Planes, Trains, and Automobiles also happens to be one of his favorite movies. In addition to those two main characters, and we'll talk a little bit about how they fit into the movie and the plot, you have Layla Robbins as Susan Page, Michael McKeon, who played Lenny in Little Vernon Shirley, Kevin Bacon in a small cameo at the beginning of the movie. There's a part where Steve Martin's character, Neil Page, is racing Bacon to get a taxi, which is actually a reference to another movie called Quicksilver, in which Bacon played a bicyclist. Dylan Baker played Owen. Olivia Burnett played Marty Page. Larry Hankin played Doobie. Richard Hurd played Walt. Matthew Lawrence played Neil Page Jr. Can't miss those Lawrence kids when you spot them. And the great Edie McClure played the car rental agent in a famous scene that got the film an R rating. The actress Jerry Ryan, who played Seven of Nine in Star Trek, was cast in the film and actually filmed her parts, but those parts were cut from the final release. And it's hard to know what those scenes were because the filming of this movie is epic. John Hughes shot over 600,000 feet of film, which is almost twice the average in the industry. And it is rumored that there is actually a three-hour version of the film. And Hughes had gone on record as saying that if he were to get into it and try to work this into a larger film, that it would actually take months, maybe even years, to try to transform it into a larger film. Sadly, that footage is still locked away in Paramount's vault and is deteriorating, I'm sure, as we speak. That doesn't mean you don't get to see some of that footage. That's the great thing about television. When the movie is broadcast, sometimes pieces of that film are edited in to the film to cover for some other part or to add length. In the ads for the network version, there's a shot of Dell or John Candy brushing his teeth that wasn't in the theatrical release. There's a scene with John Candy and Steve Martin eating 
during the flight, and of course things go really bad for Steve Martin. That has actually been shown in some television versions. In the trailer of the movie, there's a scene where you get to see some of John Candy's antics in the bathroom of the hotel that he and Steve Martin's Neil are sharing. One of the things he does in there is an impersonation of Elvis, so we can maybe see why Steve Martin is so frustrated waiting to get into that bathroom. So I guess a little bit before I get into the production of the film, just talk a little bit about the plot. The story concerns Neil Page, Steve Martin, who's trying to return to Chicago to see his family for Thanksgiving after being on a business trip in New York. From the very start, he bumps into a guy named Del Griffith, played by John Candy, and things start to spiral out of control. The two wind up sitting next to each other on the plane when the plane gets diverted to Wichita due to a blizzard in Chicago. Just a fun little film fact, the exterior of the aircraft in the flight scenes is a reuse of the shots that were used in the movie Airplane from 1980. And in the scene in Wichita, when the airline attendant says that the flights have been canceled, you can see on the board behind him that the destination of the flight is now nowhere. These guys aren't going anywhere. So Neil reluctantly teams up with Dell to try to get home, and things just get worse. They travel by bus, they travel by train, they even rent a car. They get robbed, the car burns up, everything just goes horribly wrong. Meanwhile, Neil is getting tired of Dell's idiosyncrasies, and the two get into a heated argument, and there's some very dramatic scenes in that that show a depth of acting that we had not seen from John Candy. Martin had shown some of that in other films, but up to that point, I had not known that John Candy had such depth, and it really touches you, and you could see why it works on Steve Martin's character in the film. Now, the whole time, Neil thinks that John Candy has a wife that he's going to go home to on Thanksgiving. What it turns out is, is he's very alone, and his wife had passed away, and the two bond so much that by the end, Neil invites Dell to spend Thanksgiving with his family. It's wonderful, and it makes it the perfect movie for Thanksgiving. Just as a fun note, if you're watching the movie, at the very beginning, Steve Martin's business trip involves him presenting to a man who has to make a decision, and we know that decision is never going to be made. There's actually a movie stinger at the very end of the credits, and one of the earlier ones, if you stay there. At the end, you actually see that guy still contemplating that decision after the whole movie had gone, and his Thanksgiving titter is sitting on his desk, and he still can't make the decision. Pretty great. During holiday travel, some people get delirious, some get delayed, and some get Del Griffith. American Light Fixture, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. Neil Page got all three. I was on my way home to spend a nice holiday with my family. Instead, I'm in a motel bed with a stranger. So instead of Thanksgiving with his family, he's spending three days with the turkey. Paramount Pictures presents Steve Martin. You're going the wrong way! What? Are you mad at me? John Candy. Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. 
Those are pillows. In a new film by John Hughes. Planes, trains, and automobiles. See that Bears game last week? Yeah, hello game, hello game. Now, there's a lot of horrible transportation in this movie, which means that no real rental company, car company, train company wanted to be associated with the movie. So the crew had to rent 20 miles of train track, refurbish old railroad cars, and construct sets that looked like airline terminals, rent-a-car company logos, uniforms, everything from the ground up, which, of course, inflated the budget on the movie, which is moderately low, and believe me, a really good investment. Another problem they were having is this was supposed to take place in the Midwest in winter, and it was an unseasonably warm winter in the Midwest, which is rare. So they had to move around trying to find snow that they could film in. They traveled from the Midwest to the East Coast. It was a nightmare, and from what I understand, John Hughes got grumpier and grumpier as the film went along. Many of the snow scenes in the film would be filmed in Buffalo, New York. That doesn't mean that a lot of the choice locations weren't really used. The hotel in which Steve Martin and John Candy stayed as they drove their rental car was filmed in Gurney, Illinois, and it was called the El Rancho Motel on US-41. From what I understand, that has now been converted into studio apartments. The house that Neil lives in, you get to see in a couple of scenes, but it cost a fortune to make that house. About $100,000 was spent on sets to make that house and the set had seven rooms. Now, I didn't count the rooms, but I don't even remember seeing more than three rooms. Maybe I'm wrong. And it took five months to complete. So Paramount execs were not happy with that money being spent. But you can't argue with the end result. Now, I just want to say that a favorite editor of mine, Paul Hirsch, who won an Academy Award for his work on Star Wars, and also edited The Empire Strikes Back in addition to 35 other feature films, was the editor on Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and responsible for taking that three hours of finished movie and cutting it down to 92 minutes, which I can't even imagine having to do, which seems like a whole lot of work. The film had a budget of $15 million, which isn't bad, and it was kind of family-friendly. But there's a scene in the movie where Steve Martin curses quite aggressively. In fact, in this short scene where he is interacting with Edie McClure, he uses the F-word 18 times in one minute, and then Edie McClure uses the same word. The U.S. MPAA is the only country to have given it an R rating, because of the language. In other countries where obscenity isn't such a big deal, the film usually has a PG rating. Steve Martin and John Candy get there any way they can by planes, trains, and automobiles in the new comedy about an odd couple who want to fly to Chicago and end up in Kansas. And I'm Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune. Steve Martin and John Candy are two of the funniest men, period, on movies, on TV, guest appearances, concerts, whatever. And often when you team a couple of big stars, there is no magic. They're almost afraid of engaging each other. But in planes, trains, and automobiles, there is a little magic with these two men. The film came out to critical praise in 1987. 
As I said, people were really surprised because Martin and Candy were considered comedians and people didn't think they had the depth to pull this type of performance off. And, of course, John Hughes was primarily known for teen angst movies. It would open on 1,118 screens and on its opening weekend would generate $7 million. So, already, it almost made up half its budget on opening weekend. Worldwide, the movie would be a great investment, bringing in $150.8 million. Now, with a decidedly British perspective, here's Peachy to talk about planes, trains, and automobiles. For anyone in the UK who grew up in the 80s and 90s, Planes, Trains and Automobiles is one of those films that would be in your greatest movies list. It's got it all. It's funny, touching, dramatic. It's got some great set pieces. That image of John Candy as Satan has scarred many a UK child's mind as it has yours, I'm sure. I mean, most of us Brits only have a loose understanding of what Thanksgiving means to Americans. But, I mean, some of that knowledge we do have on the subject probably come from this movie. Not that you need to know much about Thanksgiving to enjoy the movie. It's a timeless tale of two people trying to get home. Well, two idiots trying their best to cut off their own noses despite their faces, and then somehow getting home. I mean, I've always been a big fan of John Candy's and Steve Martin's comedy. Uh, This movie brings so many laughs to the table, you, you kind of forget that there is some real emotion in there, like the late great John Candy's brilliant delivery while he's saying that he's an easy target. I like, I like me, my wife likes me, my customers like me, is perfectly set off by Steve Martin frantically trying to explain that those in fact aren't pillows. In closing, it doesn't matter what time of year you watch Trains, Planes and Automobiles, it's still a classic movie about friendship, family, and driving down the wrong side of the motorway in between two massive trucks. Thanks, Peachy. The music in the film is by Ira Newborn. Newborn has worked extensively on a lot of John Hughes stuff. He's probably most famous for the Naked Gun series of films, and that theme song that plays at the beginning of the series was Newborn's work. In addition to Newborn's scoring, there's also popular music in the movie. Sadly, the soundtrack, which was released in 1987, has since gone out of print, although if you look around, you'll probably be able to find a copy online. What I always found weird about it is that the very end of the movie, they play Every Time You Go Away. It's a big moment at the end of the movie. It's kind of weird. John Candy's clutching his hat. He's introduced to Steve Martin's wife. It's a strange moment of emotional gravity that I am never sure how I'm supposed to interpret. It'd be interesting to hear what everybody else thinks. But during that part, they play Every Time You Go Away. That was not included on the soundtrack. Very odd. In 2000, the film was released on DVD. I purchased it right away. Then, just last year, in October, a special edition, the Those Aren't Pillows edition, the line that got me in so much trouble, was released on October 20th. (laughs) 
Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is a great coming home film, which during the Thanksgiving season is completely relatable. And for anyone who has had to go through adversity, no matter what it is, be it delayed or something much rougher, the getting home and feeling that warmth of being there and seeing those you love and maybe making some new friends along the way makes that reward so much more valuable. So next time you're on an airplane and there's a guy talking your ear off next to you, maybe don't put your headphones on right away. Who knows, it could be a lonely shower curtain ring salesman who doesn't have anybody to talk to during the holiday season, and you just might make a new best friend. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com retroist and twitter.com retroist. If you'd like to discuss planes, trains, and automobiles or any of your other favorite movies, you can drop by the Retroist and comment or drop by the Retroist forum which is at www.retroist.com slash forum. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks to Peachy for the British perspective and for all the music that you hear during the show. If you have some musical needs and like to get in touch with Peachy, you can email him at peachy at retroist.com. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. I hope that everyone is not working, that you're at home, maybe watching movies, watching TV. Perhaps you have a long weekend, and I hope during that time you'll be listening to this podcast. And if you are, I appreciate you letting me be part of your holiday season. Thank you for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Be kind to me. Who's who? Who's who? Who's my enemy? Who's the person who is me and wants to take from me? Don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to strangers. Even Where's your hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. Ah. Uh. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.